Hey Bok to Bok Nation, this is Kevin Oates, and we have some exciting news for you before we dive into our flashback episode with Lone Pine Brewing. Our podcast is now on Stitcher, so whether you are already a user of that platform or you are especially an Android user, our podcast is now available for you there. So please go check us out on Stitcher at B-A-C-H-T-O-B-O-C-K, and we're excited to have you listen to our episodes on this brand new platform. But we wanted to update you on the progress of Lone Pine Brewing since we interviewed them back in 2017, which is just one year after they launched their business. Since then, they have become one of the 50 fastest growing breweries in the country alongside Mass Landing, which is based here in Westbrook, Maine. And earlier this year, they won the National Distributors Award for beer, making them one of the most sought after and desired breweries in the entire country. John and Tom have built an entire humongous team for Lone Pine Brewing, and they have moved to the old Sebago Brewing facility in Gorham, Maine, and have almost ready to outgrow that space. So they are doing absolutely incredible work. So sit back, pour a Lone Pine Brewing beer, and relax and enjoy this flashback episode from 2017. Cheers. Between the two, you can you guys give us a little bit of background on uh, on Lone Pine and its founding and its history? Sure. So we started uh, this venture officially. Uh, we made our first sale uh, almost about a year ago, um, but obviously plans for, for all this started about a year before that. Uh, we actually approached John in February of 2015 uh, with this idea of something I've been working on for uh, quite a long time. I come from a retail background, so I've actually been plugged into this industry for uh, for many years, uh, my family owned a, a retail store down in Saco, um, so I was able to sort of witness the craft beer revolution firsthand uh, down there. Um, and you know, over time, uh, grew a lot of knowledge in this industry, uh, the major players here in, in Maine, um, and then always was sort of working towards this goal of starting a brewery. Uh, the time sort of came right. Uh, John had moved back from LA, we had uh, talked about uh, being in a business venture for many, many years, and uh, when he came back at that time, um, sort of presented this idea to him, and that was, uh, yeah, that was February, uh, it was about two years ago now. Yep. Um, and how long have you guys known each other? We've known each other since high school. Yeah. Uh, so we go we go way back. 15 um, years or so? Yeah, yep. 15 years or so. We'd always been in on little, you know, little entrepreneurial efforts here and there, um, but never really had uh, a big vision in mind until this sort of came along. Uh, this was our, our, you know, our sort of coup de grace. Yeah, there's some half-baked email threads from like 2009 talking about starting a brewery. And then we just didn't talk for like a month, and then just all caps high, and then we started dialoguing it. So nothing real. Right. So yeah, yeah, we did go back and forth a few times. Um, as I, you know, got my feet wet in home brewing, um, that's basically where everybody everybody begins now, which I think is a great spot to start for all you aspiring brewery owners. Yeah. Um, start right in your kitchen. That's the best place to earn your stripes. Um, so as I had sort of started working my way around uh, the process of brewing, I threw that idea out to John. Um, way back when, um, and then sort of sat on it for a while. I, you know, we're in different sides of the, of the globe almost. Um, yeah. And then you know, John had moved back to be closer to family, and uh, I was sort of at that tipping point where it was time to to make this happen. And uh, we sort of came together at that time and started working towards making Lone Pine a reality. And now we're here in the brewery itself. We're at the currently standing at the at the bar at the, for the tasting room. It smells and amazing. It, it smells and amazing. It and uh, so, when did you move into this space? 
Uh, we moved in in July of 2015. Um, so yeah, we moved in. It was a, a granite countertop manufacturer before. Is that right? Concrete. Concrete. Concrete, concrete yeah. countertop manufacturer. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So there was just stuff all over the walls, like a weird film. It was Everything an industrial was, space. Yeah. I right. mean, it was no just question. yeah. So we took uh, about three months just literally making it presentable and just actually viewable to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> building out that infrastructure that we need to, yeah, to build a room within it and all of those things. Um, when you when you put in your paperwork with the uh, with the government to start a brewery, you have about four months of a wait time. So we sat around for about four months and just built out this you know this space to make it habitable and holy yep. for you know the people who would be you know coming in and then be our guests once we're more beer here. Yeah, the bathroom is one of the most homey feeling bathrooms I've been in a brewery in town. It's comforting. Yeah. Should have recorded them there. Actually, <laughs> just felt really comfortable. Very good acoustics as well. Hey, yes, that is. Do the clap fest. Yeah. <laughs> How was it? Obviously, it takes time to process all the paperwork, but in general, is it is Maine fairly amenable to the idea of? It's really federal. Or? That's like the time that right. is the big timeline. So we and you're kind of at the mercy of you. Literally, don't have like an agent or someone appointed to you for four of those first six months. Really, I mean, so you just have to kind of wait, right. and so you're just doing everything you can for the facility, um, and then you know, once you get into the process of actually talking to someone at the whatever TTB yeah. yeah then then you can kind of start bouncing around with everyone else yeah. um, state of Maine was easy every I mean everyone else is pretty easy yeah, they're, they're very amenable I mean this is obviously brewing now in Maine we've heard is a bigger culture than big culture bigger uh, business than even lobster at this point uh, yeah. in terms of the amount of money that's uh, brought into the state yeah it's yeah we're becoming very well known for you know the products that we're putting out and it's um, it's awesome to sort of be a part of that now but uh, because of that you know Maine is welcoming to sort of the idea of new breweries. They obviously do their checks and balances. They're not, yeah, it's not a free pass, but uh, we certainly we certainly had to um, make sure that we were doing everything um, that they required. But they were they were very willing to work with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just more of a, it was more of a waiting game. I mean, we were just, we were just in a queue. Because yeah. there's a lot of breweries popping up, and uh, it's a very, sort of a new trend. So I think the infrastructure involved in passing these breweries uh, is still sort of catching up to the yeah. explosion that is being yeah, I mean, that waiting list is, I, I've heard it's like 50 to 75% longer now, too, right. than when we did it. So like, wow. I don't envy trying to I mean, do it. As so. of the new year, there was yeah. there's 80 plus breweries in the state of Maine. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know how many of those are added this year. I mean, alone. When we, we went to the, once a year, there's an initiation for the Maine Brewers Guild, all the new breweries. Uh, so we were the class of 2016. Uh, so we went to that. I believe there were 16 to 18. It was a fair, wow. fair number of us. Just um, one year. In just one year, exactly. Um, so... It's, it's great now because we have sort of a tasting room culture has sort of taken over. So there are a lot of breweries now that are able to sustain themselves just on their tasting room. Yeah. Um, so you're seeing a lot of numbers of places popping up because they can sort of just sustain themselves in-house. Um, so a lot of places start there. They, you know, they, just, they sell directly to the customer. They get good feedback uh, on what they're doing right and can then parlay that into you know, eventually getting product out to market um, right. on, a, on a bigger level. And with yeah. the beer tourism, they're bringing the customers to their door anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, and our big thing was kind of to do the opposite of that, really, was to actually get out there and have yeah. a presence in bars and retail right. before opening the tasting room, just because we wanted to actually have um, outside visibility and have people want to come to flock to us afterward. Um, so it was, and it worked out well. I mean, that's yeah. where we kind of gained and had time to focus on basically 
these relationships with these bars because they're basically two different businesses. You basically own a bar. I mean, quote unquote. I mean, when you're running a tasting room, and that is a whole entire full time job in itself. So to be able to just focus on distribution mm-hmm. and make those relationships and really nail that was was key for us. I think. Yep. Yeah, uh, we we actually didn't start. We didn't open our tasting room until about two months after yeah. we started releasing beer. Gotcha. Uh, so we we did have a focus on you know bars and retail at the beginning. Um, part of that was just because we weren't quite, we didn't want to present, we didn't want to bring people in when we weren't really ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we wanted to really sort of have our have our ducks in a row in the tasting room before we did a big launch on that. Uh, so we, we opened the tasting room, I believe it was the first week of May uh, okay. last year, where, whereas we were selling beer starting in March. Yeah. In the Press Herald article, it's talking about how you guys had planned on having a nice, easy, like, Easy going into yeah. it and just get the product out, and that was that. But then you started getting the calls that the bars were sold out, and they wanted more. Yeah, the turnover was fast. Yeah, like I mean, the turnover of the actual beer itself, not the our product. So I mean, we when Tom was thinking about the, the beers he was going to brew, you know, we had a list of probably eight to ten that we were hoping to brew over the first couple months, and suddenly we were pigeonholed to just having this one beer right. that we had to make. But it was great because we hit our, you know. Our flagship right away, and right. it really worked, and that was fantastic for us. I mean, obviously, you want to hit it first beer, but you never know if you're going to. Um, so we were grateful for it, but we were kind of um, almost prisoner to it too, or that's that's what we had to produce. It would have been hard <laughs> to open a taste room with one beer. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. where we were at that point. Um, we right. really underestimated uh, the enthusiasm in this in this market. I mean, obviously, you look around and you see all these people who are very excited to drink craft beer, but you don't understand how much of a volume that that equates to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, so yeah. when I brewed that first batch, uh, we had the capability of brewing up to 310 gallons at a time when we started, and I brewed a half of a batch just because I didn't. We didn't know what the response was going to be. I didn't want to be sitting on all this beer. Um, so we brewed a half batch, and it was literally gone. or that like so figuratively. <laughs> He's sitting on it. I'm just going to float in this. I heard it's good for exfoliation. It is. <laughs> um, but we, so we were really, we didn't know what to expect, and we actually ended up selling that whole batch out day one, and I hadn't brewed again yet. So yeah. we were actually on the market and then off the market for three weeks while that second batch wow. sort yeah. of was being prepared. And then from then on, it was just an onslaught. We haven't done a half batch since. We've just been yeah. full steam since yeah. batch two. And, and so going back to the top of the flagship, which is the Port and Pale, mm-hmm. um, this is, um, so basically, and we're next to the brewery, and so there's lots of new equipment. Yeah. A lot of growth year one. So yeah. year one, well, fish will be, the anniversary will be March 3rd, correct? Yep. Correct. Yep. Um, it's, um, what is, uh, what have you seen, what have been the big milestones this past year? I mean, we've done two pretty full, heavy expansions where they've right. been just really, um, tumultuous, I guess, because sure. we've been trying to brew full-time in the middle of summer in August while we're trying to get new equipment in, hook it up. I mean, that right. in itself was a whole entire... Expanding our infrastructure. Well, a lot of what you don't see with that first expansion that we did was an expansion of our cooling systems and yeah. um, a lot of things that really don't go into volume, yeah. um, that don't equate to more beer right away, but had to be done in order for us to sort of set up um, the additional volume that we'll be taking on later on, so it wasn't as glamorous as sort of this last expansion, which is just all shiny stainless steel. Yeah. <laughs> it makes look really sparkly. Um, it looks so, great. It does, it looks, it's been a, it's been a long road and we're, we're enjoying the last couple of weeks with the new, you know, the new We're real layout. boys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so year one, Mark, and now how many beers have been out on the market 
this past year? Uh, six to eight, about, I think. So yeah. um, we have the capability of doing sort of these one-off small batch beers. Yeah. Uh, we have sort of a small pilot system that we operate on as well, just for fun, just for... The Was the Black Rye IPA part of that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that. So we will do a, a, it's a barrel at a time, and we'll do it just for the tasting room, and those usually last a weekend. Um, so those are more for us to sort of keep our creative juices flowing, uh, try some ideas, do a little bit of experimentation, and then present something to the customer where we can get immediate feedback yep. so that we know sort of how this might be received on a larger scale. So uh, actually our IPA came out of that um, came out of that process. Yeah. I brewed that, yep, yeah, I brewed that on a, I brewed 100 gallons of it the first time it was made. Um, so the bright side came out uh, just after, we brewed it on Mother's Day. Uh, so that came out about a three weeks to a month, uh, two months later. And it was, in our taste rooms, 80% of our sales. Just wow. all of a sudden. So we wow. couldn't just ignore it. So all of a sudden That's it was like, we've gotta, we gotta make more of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we started fitting it into the uh, production schedule shortly thereafter, and then in the fall we were able to go uh, sort of full full steam with it and keep it, keep it in rotation uh, the whole time. Yeah. Um, a lot of these expansions that we've been doing have been just to try to keep up with producing multiple lines of beer because now that we've been able to put Portland Pale in so many locations, we want to make sure that they always have a supply of that. If you're going to go on draft there, we want to be reliable in that you're not going to be running us on and off draft all the time. We want to make sure that if you're, you know, if you're putting your faith in us, we can support that. We're not going to take on new clients until we know that we have the beer to support those new clients and keep that beer on as long as they want. Yeah, and that's a constant guess and check of just knowing a different account's pacing. You just have no idea. And we've been surprised with, um, like, country clubs is a perfect example. We, we really wanted to be places that others weren't looking to. Yeah. Um, and uh, country clubs would just tear through beer, like, right. tear through it. And I wasn't seeing I didn't think that would be, there's been a big, you know. There's been a big, obviously, following in, like, the big the big craft beer bars, obviously, yeah. have, you know, this. they have spotlights on them all the time, but there's areas where, I mean... You know, your, your everyday Mainer who likes craft beer is going to yeah. be, and we really wanted to focus on being accessible to people who um, are, you know, are plugged into the craft beer world, but, you know, can't go to Navarre Res every night. Um, right. So it's a, for us, it was, let's, let's be, you know, let's be accessible um, in a lot of places where, you know, maybe you, you wouldn't typically find craft beer, but all of a sudden you're pleasantly surprised when, hey, look, get some, you know, a couple of there. Cool. Not just the domain of Bud Light and Miller and all that stuff. Right. right. So we're we're trying to, country club yeah. lineup. And, yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to crack into that a little bit and really sort of be a, a gateway and a bridge into the craft beer world for people who, you know, um, might be a little intimidated. I mean, like I said, coming from retail, when I was working retail down in Saco, it's a blue collar town. We were in an industrial park. Um, it was very much a Bud Miller Coors environment down there, and what we did was we turned, we witnessed it firsthand, we turned the inventory on its head, and we said, we're, we're not going to sell hardly as much of this stuff anymore, we're going to focus on craft. And we watched it evolve before our eyes, you know, people walk by all these great beers to get to those six packs of Bud Miller Coors, eventually they're going to start poking around at other stuff. Um, and I, that was really our mantra down there, was to, you know, was to transform people into craft beer lovers, into... Uh, people who are at least aware of what's going on in the craft beer world, why it deserves their attention, uh, and we've tried to parlay that into this venture as well. To say, hey, you know, let's let's find a beer that can be appreciated by people who love Citra and Amarillo hops, which is what are the sort of the, the focal point of Portland Pale Ale. Um, but at the same time, be very, be very, um, I guess, enjoyable to somebody who maybe doesn't. Uh, you know, drink craft beer all the time. Something that would sort of bridge that gap and, you know, meet the two in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and that's what the point of the point of the point of was. Sounds brilliant. It, it, it's a strategy, like you say, that no one else is accessing. And well, and it's, and it's not just about the strategy. It was, it was more for the sake of, you know, trying to, trying to bring more people into this, into this 
community that I, we sort of see this as a community. We've you know we've been welcomed with open arms into the Bayside neighborhood by the people who are already here, and I mean we couldn't repay that more than you know trying to bring more people into this area and say, yeah. hey, if you never checked out Crafter before, maybe you love Crafter. Either way, like you're going to be welcome in this neighborhood because we're doing you know we're doing world class things, but it's not going to be overwhelming or intimidating or uh, be presented in a way that's you know going to make anybody not feel at home. Yeah, that's yeah. the one thing we've seen over and over with every time we've talked from a brewer or a local business person, there's, there's this, this uh, eternal sense of, of uh, community helping each other out. Yep. Uh, you know, when, when uh, was it Austin Street moved, yeah, two uh, other guys, two other breweries came. Oh, that was, no, that was uh, Gagan Brothers. Gagan Brothers yep. moved. And with Orna yeah. Brewing helped out and, uh, really, yeah. I mean, I'll give shout outs right now. We got, uh, we borrowed rice hulls from Rising Tide a week and a half ago. When <laughs> right, right. We were in the midst of sticking a mash over here. Um, we and borrow then, bottles from Main Mead Works three times. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> just, just yesterday, we picked up a half bag of Vienna from Foulmouth down in South Portland. I mean, right. It's a very cool community. I mean, everybody's willing to help each other out. Um, we know that we're building a main brand. It comes from the top down. I mean, we we sort of get our marching orders from the main brewers guild that says, hey, if you're if you're gonna be you're gonna be a like leave that at home. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, because yeah, this yeah. is we are building a main brand, and it's and that's I think where it comes from. Um, we've you know. Once we once we put down roots here in Bayside, we were very widely accepted. We call it growing up in the suburbs, like for a brewery. It's just like we have neighbors here who yeah, are more yeah. willing to you know help you succeed, and it's and it's something that we're happy to repay. And if we can do that by bringing more people into Bayside and more people into Maine to drink our to drink Maine craft beer, then I think we're going to be we're going to be putting everybody in a better place. I think yeah. Sean Sullivan's really set a great tone for the for the industry. Yeah, and, and everyone. And specifically, I mean Heather and Nate from Rising Tide have just been like that big brother, big sister thing for us. Yeah. And any questions you have, I mean, they're so accessible. They're right you right back and. They helped us um, can. They, yeah, they helped us can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Last Nate came into, I think he was hiding, but he came Those over here. Those were his words. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, came, he came over here to, uh, to escape for a little bit. I heard we were canning, so he helped us back out off the canning line for That's a while. Cool. And yeah, it was, uh, it was, so it's, I mean, it, it really is. I was over hanging on an urban farm yesterday, um, drinking a little kombucha. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's definitely a community that, you know, we're That's happy awesome. to be plugged into. All right, so you're with complete new beer releases. Yeah. So currently, we you're, you have Portland Pale, you have Brightside. Yeah. You just announced that uh, just on draft tessellation. Is that, uh, that? We've done two canning runs of it. Yep. Or, okay. And um, it was we were overwhelmed in a good way by the response. I mean, it was just huge. Um, and we hadn't really experienced that line effect where people are actually seeking it out. You know, the, the day it's released. Um, so we, with that, I mean, we're doubling production of it. And yeah, I mean, we're pushing it. A heck of a lot more. Yeah, so with, with this most recent expansion, we, we were before now able to can once a month. We could get about 350 to 400 cases out of that canning run. Now we're going to be canning twice a month to try yeah. to keep up with. I mean, the fact is, is we can and the beer, we're out of it in the tasting room, we're out of it. Yeah. You know, at retail. We're only able to service like a third of the stores we're in retail wise, right. so it's that's an issue too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it would only last a week, and then we'd have yeah. three weeks of drought before yeah. we could drop it again. So and now yeah. this is this last expansion was more of a necessity to make sure that we can get beer out more consistently to people. And it's also going to expand our product line. You asked about new products. We're going to be able to do some more fun things. We have a beer that we're doing this week. Um, it's going to be a single hop series where we're going to focus on one hop. Nice. Um, it'll be an it'll be a probably six to six and a half percent IPA. That will be um, will be every probably two or three months. We'll be rotating through a new hop so that people can have a really good idea. It's kind of an educational. And, and as yeah. for for those who are listening who are not as beer savvy, what's the difference? Like what as far as profile wise of a beer brewing with single hop rather than multiple? Sure. Hops. So um, beer, especially hops, are becoming more and more complex. There's more, just like the styles are expanding in the beer world. Uh, the, the hops are sort of 
expanding as well. As hops more and more become the focus of beer to the consumer, we're seeing new uh, varieties being developed that, um, you know, you when you blend them, don't give you the specific profile of those hops. People are now seeking out beers because they have hops in them that they like. Yeah. So it's almost a selling point in itself when, hey, this beer has citra hops in it. That was sort of the first one to really gather some heavy-handed momentum for um, for people sort of seeking out um, beers with the specific hop in it. So citra sort of led the way there, but um, but now we can we can sort of dissect what the hops do um, within within a beer, <laughs> dissect what those hops do um, uh, within a beer when they're when they're not blended with other hops. So now, yeah. you can, so now when you have, like, um, tessellation, for example, is a mosaic-only uh, double IPA. So now if you have tessellation, you go out into the world and you try a beer that has mosaic in it, you can almost immediately pinpoint that hop in there. And if it's something that you enjoy, now you can sort of be led down this educational path that says, okay, I know before I even buy this beer that there's at least one aspect of this that I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, it helps our customer. It helps the puzzle helps us sort of uh, learn more about the ingredients that we're using. Um, and it's also a fun way to sort of offer something up that's a little different every time that it comes out. So it's sort of always, it's sort of always in motion that that one beer, it'll, you know, it's one of those things we'll drop it once, it'll never be the same. So if you want to give it a shot, give it a quick try. And then next time, look forward to the next one because we're going to make it a little bit different. So with these one-offs, you are you're focusing on single hops for each, each, uh, each brew. And then, so what is the plan as far as releasing them, launching them? Yeah, so those those will be um, we're gonna be able to do uh, like I mentioned one a month in terms of cans. We also do one uh, large bottle series, uh, which typically uses um, higher quality ingredients, uh, locally sourced ingredients, where we partner with uh, local producers uh, to source those. Uh, for the cans, we uh, we certainly want to uh, sort of like John said, create an event around like those days and you know create that tasting room culture where you can come in. It's got an exciting atmosphere, you know, we're releasing one beer, it's kind of, and that's it, once it's gone, it's gone forever, yeah. uh, for the most part, because we can only do one a month, so if we want to be creative, we want to release, a, you know, a bunch of different beer, we can only do one a month, so we're, you know, really going to, um, we're going to change things up a lot, because, you know, that's just sort of how that, that culture is now, but um, we are developing a lineup of uh, the, the, the big bottle, uh, 750 milliliter, sort of higher end, higher ABV, um, beers you can age, beers that, you know, are meant to be shared, that have a very refined focus uh, on local source ingredients, uh, local producers. We do, we've done a couple in that series so far. One is uh, Chaga Stout. Uh, Chaga Stout's been getting a lot of attention because we use, technically it's a mushroom. It's a fungus that grows on birch trees that we use in a stout instead of, we, we basically brew a dry coffee stout and we use Chaga instead of coffee. Um, that's sourced from the main woods. We get it from North Spore Mushrooms up in Westbrook. Uh, those guys basically go out. You can't grow the stuff. You have to go out and forage for it. So it comes straight out of the main woods. We throw it right in our beer. Um, it's a, it's an expensive, sort of hard to find ingredient. Um, but they we, come in with dirt on their face. <laughs> like, <laughs> they do, <laughs> which is great. I mean, it's it's straight from the main woods. It's basically it's it's made in Maine. It's grown by Maine. You know, yep. it's, it's basically it's it's heart and soul is right here in the state. Uh, we do we do that. We've done Samara Brown, which is. Uh, coffee and maple brown yeah. ale, imperial brown ale brewed with coffee uh, and maple syrup. Uh, we source the coffee from Bar Coffee right here in Portland, uh, where they roast uh, they roast the coffee for us, and then we get the maple syrup from Royal Maple, which, as we mentioned earlier, is just a guy with maple syrup. Uh, so it's coming right out of the trees uh, right here in Maine, Buxton, um, right in Buxton. Of course. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's um, we really like focusing on those uh, those industries that maybe don't get the same attention that we do. Uh, we we have some big plans for partnerships with uh, local producers um, on a bigger scale here in Maine in the coming year. 
that will uh, allow us to continue to divert attention towards sort of that attitude of Maine that is, you know, homegrown. We, you know, we're doing things on our own. We're, you know, we're farmers and foragers and gardeners and uh, all the things that, you know, kind of makes Maine great. We have a farmer's market right here in Bayside yeah. all winter. And it's cool to sort of see all those people who really put their heart and soul into something that, just because it doesn't have alcohol, it doesn't get the same sort of attention that we get, but it's cool to sort of divert that attention with, uh, with our platform here by using like those ingredients and collaborating with them and giving them a shout out and letting people know that, hey, if you want something that's, you know, that's great, high quality, that went right into this beer, you know, give them some attention, give them some love, and keep feeding into that attitude that means cultivated over that over a long period. So, yep. Yeah, we're huge fans of the Chaga, and especially yeah, the Chagas. So I love stouts anyway, but... Yeah, I've, I've been, been growing the love stouts before, and more so much more, and just been yeah. amazing. So, um, so anything, like, big goals for year two coming up? Um, just to actually fill Maine in the right way, product-wise. I mean, we want to make sure that we're able to service all the accounts. We're able to actually be, I mean, self-distribute. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're not just selling beer. We're trying, we're really trying to form these partnerships and service these accounts. So just really doing that um, beyond just really, you know, York and Cumberland County, which we've started to really do. Um, yeah, we've always really wanted to be accessible. I mean, we've yeah. always said both financially and geographically. That way you can, you know, you can get us in Blue Hill, you know, for a fair price. Sure. It's always been sort of, especially for pay on those things. Like we always wanted to sort of be able to, um, if you want, if you, if you see, if you, I've heard about us. If you want to find our beer, you want to try our beer. I don't want to lose it anyway. I want to do everything I can to put that beer in your hands. Right. Um, which you know, we're, we've been really striving for since day one, and I think you know this summer will be, um, it'll be interesting to keep that going. But I think we've got a we've got a good grasp on it now. Um, and we, I think we really want to start evolving, you know, the tasting room here, mm -hmm. like kind of uh, building out our home a little more. We have some plans for building a deck, um, potentially a mezzanine area. Uh, we need to wow. put some more seating in. We were at max capacity in February this weekend, so I mean, we've already started yeah. looking at. I mean, our February numbers are double our July weekend numbers. It's right. like yeah, wow. much. yeah. So it's so just summer twenty seventeen is be like okay. Yeah. How how do we accommodate? We're Brooklyn a little intimidated. Well, yeah. last year we were. We were in a bit of a war zone outside because they were they tore up the whole road. They were redoing right. the infrastructure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean we couldn't have food trucks or anything. You wouldn't. I mean, yeah, we, there's we really dust everywhere. Do what we wanted to out of here, and now it's this summer is going to be a chance for us to sort of really, um, really make this place home. Uh, so we're really looking forward to in the next couple months uh, building things out, um, making it more accommodating, and um, bring people in and telling the story. You know, from the horse's mouth. We're like I mentioned, me and John are usually here. I'm one of us is in the whole brewing typically, and we're you know we're always up for questions and for giving tours and, and talking to people and really being able to sort of if you're coming here for the first time, give a good first impression of people, but to people by um, telling that story ourselves. And when are you open to the public? So what, what hours? Uh, Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. Uh, these hours might expand for the summer, but for now they're uh, Thursday from 4 to 8, Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 12 to 8, and Sunday from 12 to 6. Nailed it. Nailed <laughs> it, right? Yeah. And how can we find you uh, online, social media, physically? So, you find us physically, we're typically here. Okay. <laughs> if you need us, come knocking on the door, we're usually, uh, we're usually around. Um, if you want to find us online, LonePineBrewery.com. Uh, we are also on Instagram, Twitter, all yeah. of the social media handles. Um, we're getting pretty active on that stuff now that uh, now that summer's coming. We're getting the word out. We got a nice new camera. We're you know taking some pretty pictures. Look at the fancy um, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and really trying to give an inside look. And what's your here. what's your social media handle? Uh, Lone Pine Brewing uh, for most of those. Lone Pine Beer on Twitter. So. Uh, before we finish up, though, is, is it time? time? Is it's that, that time? time? Bach to Bach quiz time. So dun, 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 dun. for new listeners and for you guys, so the way it works is Matt says the question number. Okay. 
I say the question. Now, here's how it works with multiple guests. You say the first thing that comes to your head. Now, if one person says your answer first, you have to think of a new answer. All right. So basically, these are all opinion-based. However, so say Tom answers before you, John, you ha- and you want the same answer, too bad, screw you. You have to think of something different. Fair. Okay. I practiced counting to three last night, so I, I, should, I got this. I practiced finally learning the questions. <laughs> all right, you guys ready? Ready, nervous. All right, number one. Oh, John's, John's nervous. No, it's okay. Take a, take a sip. Um... Number one. Number one. What? Wow. Nope. <laughs> Take two. All right. Here we go. You ready this time? I'm ready this time. Number one. What beer best describes your personality? That's terrible. Wow. From brewery. Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. Wow. You don't say why? Nope. You can. <laughs> you can. There's, yeah. there's no wrong answer, like I said. Arrogant bastard. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty much dead on. You're raising depending on how my hormones are playing. That's what uh, the, our guest last episode really? was raising bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Woo! Great. Right. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Let's, yeah, right. You really looked at uh, Well, that was solid. Number two. What superpower do you want to have? I want to fly. I was going to say that. Um, walk on water. Walk on water. That's a first. Is yeah. that, that, that walk anywhere? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can do walk Do you walk? <laughs> <laughs> that was such an asshole thing to say. Oh, it's every power is like, you, you're just like, oh, okay, I can't fly. It's time to fly. So I, now, I, now I won't the, sink. Is that the... Is that like, <laughs> you could have had levitation. You could have yeah. had... Like, how do you cross the sea? That's a good point, actually, yeah. Tom Airfares are getting if, uh, pricey these days. Tom said if he ever uh, had to take one person into the wild and survive, he'd take me, because he could part me off and survive on me for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be honest? I'd let him do it. That's friendship. <laughs> <laughs> That's friendship right there. There's no secrets between you. Just That's it. 15, 15 years of friendship has culminated Stupid to that right. comment. There you go. <laughs> then finally, number three. All right, what celebrity... Would you want to try your beer? Gary Busey. Bill Murray. Okay, I want I want reasons why we're both. And impressions of each of them tasting your beer. I kind of want to see Gary Busey trying <laughs> Gary Busey. It tastes like a gut maggot without any guts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do his voice, but that's something he said, I think, on Entourage or something. <laughs> Bill Murray's a legend, man. I'd like that yeah. to be there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he bartending at a bar somewhere near City oh, for yeah. a while, right? Pouring everybody tequila. Yeah. yeah. And himself no too. Matter what, no Maine. matter what they ordered. In Maine? You were just giving tequila. No, no, no. Oh, okay. so <laughs> That'd be great. We would all just stop what we're doing and go see Bill Murray. Right? All right, gentlemen, it's been an honor and privilege. We finally got this episode yeah, this in. Awesome. So happy Thank to finally you. be around. So, again, great. you can find them at lonepinebrewery.com and on social media at Lone Pine Brewing or Lone Pine Beer on Twitter. And then uh, they're on. Anderson Street in Portland, across just near Urban Farm Fermentary. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. This has been another great episode of Bach to Bach. Cheers. Cheers. And cheers. Now, using a play on words, we thought the best piece of music for this episode would be The Pines of Rome by Oratorio Respighi. Now, this piece is a tone poem or a symphonic poem, meaning it's trying to tell a story, a novel, or in this case, create a landscape through one continuous work. Now, most symphonies or larger works have pauses between each of the movements. In this case, each movement goes ataka, one into the next. We are going to listen to the first and third movements of the Pines of Rome, 
and the first movement is called The Pines of the Via Borghese, which is an upbeat, fast movement talking about the children playing in the pines in the Via Borghese Gardens. of Rome, the Pines of the Janiculum, is a nocturne, meaning a piece that represents nighttime. Now this movement opens up with a French-style piano intro with this low drone from the cellos and basses underneath it. Following the piano is this clarinet melody that is the symbol for the whole entire movement. It represents a nightingale singing, and you actually will hear a nightingale recording at the end of the movement that was recorded on phonograph which at the time has never been done before and created quite a bit of controversy.
Now, you may recognize especially the first movement from the movie Fantasia 2000, which is obviously the sequel to the movie Fantasia, which you featured back in season one. Now, this piece has been used endlessly, and all four movements create such different feels and such different emotions, but these two represent the most childlike and also most emotional parts of this entire piece. But look up the works of Oratorio Respighi and also his follow-up work, The Fountains of Rome, to experience more of the incredible musicality that this composer has to offer. Be sure to follow Box to Box on Spotify to get notified of the latest episodes. And keep the conversation going on Instagram with us and follow us on all social media platforms at Box to Box. That's B-A-C-H-T-O-B-O-C-K. Cheers and keep listening.